Welcome back to One Winning Pod. We are here to celebrate Ravens victory 31-24 over the Arizona Cardinals. And here to talk about it, myself, Alec, and is that Lord Vader? I thought this was a costume party. First time doing this on YouTube. I thought we were all doing this in costume, man. You know? Oh, man. I, I have no idea if this is even coming through or not. But, man. <laughs> that was tough to fit under the head, with the headphones under that. But, yeah, you know, man. You know, we, this is our first year doing it on YouTube. So I thought we were going to do costumes. What the heck, man? You guys all left me out here to dry. I just went as a generic office worker. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just do this the whole time. There you go. There you go. That's acceptable. There's some some effort there. Some effort there. Chris, you just put on a shirt. That doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) I just have to hold this here the whole time. (laughs) For all you listeners, that was uh, Tailgoat, or not Tailgoat, just uh, Goat, (laughs) the Ed Reed beer. So just hold Ed Reed up to the camera for a long, long time. But uh, yeah, guys, we had a really weird game. Weird because it was at 425 instead of the normal 1 o'clock slate. Weird because the Ravens uh, did not cover. They got backdoored by uh, the Cardinals, but they did win. And uh, definitely more points given up by the defense than they were happy about. They were definitely disappointed after the game and talked about it. And the offense felt like they should have been able to score more points too. And a coworker came up to me and said, man, they almost blew it. And I was like... I never really felt like they were close to blowing it. I just was like a little disappointed that it wasn't, you know, the two touchdown, three score game that it felt like the whole game was the ending. I mean, it's Halloween week, man. You know, it looked like it was going to be a, an easy game after uh, Ravens came back and answered the Cardinals touchdown with that Mark Andrews one. But, uh, you know, the defense just, just had to put a little panic into the Ravens fans. Um, and, you know, I, I get it. You know, we just had this huge win coming off against Detroit. And we even talked about it in the preview. Like, it is a week-to-week league. Um, It's great when teams can get into grooves and they can put together streaks of those types of wins. But it just doesn't happen very often year after year. I mean, the Ravens had some stretches there in 2019 and 2020. And hopefully we can have them again. But at the end of the day, you got to give the Cardinals a lot of credit. I think they had a way better defensive game plan than the Lions did the previous week. Um, When we had Ed Smith on, he talked about how this team was not a team, you know, with a losing record that was just going to bend over and, you know, just uh, fall down and let the Ravens run all over them. They were going to fight and they did credit to them. I agree. I don't think this game was the outcome of this game was ever in question uh, in the second half, but still, yeah, I agree closer than we'd like it, but Got to give credit to the Cardinals for fighting. They put up a good uh, good effort. Yeah, it was a weird weekend of football too. Um, probably not as weird as that. Was that week one or one of the one of the weeks early in the season where everyone lost who we thought we'd win and everybody won who thought we'd lost anyway. Um, but still, I mean, you had the uh, the Chiefs losing to Denver of all teams. Um, yes, the Denver Broncos who lost eighty to twenty <laughs> in the, like week three or whatever. Um, and you had uh, you even had the winless uh, Carolina Panthers finally pull out a game against Houston, who everyone thought was you know an up and coming team. They looked pretty good, had a couple of uh, wins against better teams as well. So it's the NFL. Um, yeah, I agree with you guys. Like even when they went down early, seven uh, zero, um, I was a little surprised. I think the defense let up that a touchdown early. Just uh, the last couple of weeks, they've only really let up. Um, you know, they only went up one touchdown to Detroit, and that was until the third quarter, I think. So, you know, it was a little weird, but I agree with you guys. It was we pretty much had a comfortable lead throughout the most of the game. Even the end, I feel like if Aguilar catches that uh, onside kick the first time, we don't really have this conversation. It was only that because he missed it, and then you saw him on special teams again, everyone was like, wait a minute. <laughs> but, you know, if, if that doesn't happen, then, you know, I think the win's fine. But... Yeah, it, it was a little surprising, I guess. But um, overall, I, th- I think from, from both phases of the game, I think that there was a lot of good stuff. Um, there's still some stuff that we still don't have answers to. Um, but I, I think it, it sounds like the team is in a good mindset, too. I think uh, you might have been saying it earlier, Alec, that Roe and Marlowe were telling the defense, hey, this is definitely not our best job. We, need, we can do better. 
um, they're going to get back. They're going to they're going to be working on that, and they're going to have to learn quickly because Seattle uh, coming in next week. Um, you know, we'll talk about them later, but they're a pretty good team too. So uh, they're going to have their work cut out for them. I think this is the first time in a while that we've actually seen the defense suffer from something we've seen the offense deal with many a times, where they were positioned in a place to win the game versus um, put the best performance up. And it was just a little different. We were like, well, we'll let you score as long as you take a particularly long amount of time. We didn't want them to get any explosives on us. And they, I mean, they had to work perfectly. That touchdown to Marquise Brown was a perfect throw. Great coverage by Hamilton. It was just like the exact place to put it where only he could catch it kind of thing. And I think that was kind of their strategy. Even Harbaugh said that they called the same play 15 times in a row at the end of the game. So <laughs> it was like very generic defense. Just don't give up an explosive play. And I think that's what led to all those points, 17 points in the fourth quarter. That's more than the Ravens have led up in basically every game except for uh, two, <laughs> you know, or three. So, yeah. I think that checks out too with how you look at what the game flow was going into the fourth quarter. I mean, um, sure, the Cardinals came out of the gate and they were able to take the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. But then after that, the defense clamped down, right? Two fourth down stops in the first half, um, several turnovers. Um, I, I agree with you. You did find the defense in, in the position that we've seen the offense in in some coming games. But let's also not forget that the whole reason that situation happened was also because of the defense, because the defense did clamp down as we had to wait. A, a bit for the Ravens offense to to get on track and you know it's funny the Ravens scored 31 points in this game um, but at the same time it doesn't quite feel like that's how many it was right because you, a lot of the touchdowns that they had were on short fields due to interceptions um, I mean which was a great way to capitalize on that I mean we didn't see the offense hum quite like we did against um in some of these other games this year, but still, I mean, a win's a win. You got out of it, mostly escaped without injury. I know Arthur Mallett went down late in the game, but other than that, hopefully he's going not going to be too bad of a, an injury there. But other than that, yeah, he came out of this game uh, looking pretty good, six and two. And let's not forget, this is an incredible stretch that the Ravens are playing here this past four games. Yes, you lost to Pittsburgh. That was unideal. But then after that, Quick turnaround. You got to flush that down the toilet and forget about it. Go to London, play the Titans, come back, play a very tough Detroit team, then go out west and play the Cardinals. And now this this uh, streak is going to end coming home to play a, a Seattle team that is certainly not a pushover at all. So all on all considered, you know, when we did the schedule release show, we were looking at this stretch and saying, like, this is a, a stretch that could really make or break this team. And as it stands right now, they're going to exit this five-game uh, uh, little travel thing you got here with a winning record, maybe with four wins. So when you look at the bigger picture, while this was a little bit of an ugly win, I think you really have to be uh, pleasantly pleased with what the Ravens have been able to do over this stretch. Let's go in a little bit more into the defense. So uh, I wanted to piggyback off what you were saying earlier, Peter. So uh, turnovers, uh, definitely a good uh, sign in this game. So uh, he ended up having Brandon Stevens with uh, with an interception a little bit earlier in the game, which was great. Uh, ended up scoring on that one, I believe. And then Geno Stone again, <laughs> another game with another interception. Hard to believe, man. This is a uh, you know Geno Stone, the the next Ed Reed back there, but five interceptions on the season in eight games. Pretty great start for him. Um, it was obviously it was one of those situations too where Geno was in the right position, but honestly, Stevens probably could have get his hands on it too. Uh, I'm sure they were probably joking about it after the game and be like, man, you stole my pick. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they were, they, um, you know, they definitely won in the turnover differential. Um, I thought they looked pretty good back there and, you know, defensive line continues to be disruptive as well. Yeah. Geos now has three consecutive games with a pick five in the last eight games tied with Ed Reed, which is why I went for this beer. In fact, I actually cracked a different one out of the, uh, you know, the four pack little holster thing, but then decided now put it back in. I'm going to go for, this uh, goat because we got, I was reminded of him with uh, the Geno Stone performance and yeah, Steven's probably like you said, <laughs> like he was so perfectly lined up to get another pick <laughs> and he got picked off. <laughs> he got picked off, but uh, 
really great to see those, those were huge. Like you said, Peter, like the offense was, was struggling in the, those short fields in order to get points um, in this game. It wasn't as easy as it was last week. And uh, yeah, definitely good to see those performances, you know, Brand Stevens and Geo Stone performing well, but then you had a couple of disappointing performances too with, with like how Marlowe played. I feel like he's still getting his, uh, his legs under him after this injury. And um, just like a, a reminder, man, you know, actually, for the video listeners, again, like, you won't see the brace. Like, I'm out of the brace. Life's good. But I'm, I can't use this wrist. Like, it's, it's not it's not ready for prime time. And it kind of reminds you, you know, uh, Knox, he broke his wrist, right? And they're like, oh, maybe he'll go on IR. I was like, he's definitely going on IR. He's, and he's not even going to be good when he comes back. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's one thing to be able to, uh, <laughs> you know, do some household things and another to, you know play football. In fact, actually my doctor jokes with me because I was wearing a Ravens hoodie. He's like, well, you're not prepared to play football yet, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you can, you can start doing a couple things, you know, without the thing. But, uh, yeah, definitely. I think it might take some time and I uh, will talk later in the, in the show about another guy coming off injury who I think, you know, has maybe put in that time and now is starting to, to look more and more like himself. So hopefully Marlo is in prime time for, uh, you know, the most important stretch of the season in the playoffs. Definitely. Yeah. And I, all along, I mean, I, I think it was pretty much expected that we were going to need to have some patience with Marlon. I mean, we're, we're talking about he had surgery on his foot, you know, back in, and it was August, right? We're only yeah. talking about the very end of October here. Like, yeah, he can play through it, but <laughs> that's, he, he does a position that's a lot of running and you need a lot of speed. And Marlon, he's getting up there in age, right? And he's got to go against um, some guys. You had uh, out there. I mean, he's older than than Hollywood. He's obviously older than than Michael Wilson, who you know isn't isn't a super speed guy, but still, he's got fresher legs than than Marlon does. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's what the, the NFL season is really all about, man. It's about patience and just understanding that these guys' bodies take a beating. Even the guys who who play all the games and and you know don't miss any time due to injury for that year your body's never 100%. And it's just all about the team peaking at the right time, right? Which is going to be the playoffs. And I think we'll see the best of Humphrey. What's really good about Humphrey, man, is he's been in the league a while, right? He knows how to play the position. He he knows what his body can and can't do in the context of, of the NFL and how to um, adjust to that. So we've seen some positive signs, I think. But yeah, definitely we need to see more from him. But Again, like we keep saying, like you're talking about, Stone's stepping up, Stevens is stepping up, um, Darby's stepping up. We got guys stepping up that are helping make the transitions for these guys who are nursing injury. Um, and it's making it so that they don't have to do too much, right? It's giving them some time to come back. So I think the Ravens are in a good spot. But yeah, we definitely hope that Marlon can get healthy enough to be the all-pro self that we know that he has the capability of, of being, that his track record shows he can be. Well, moving on to some good stuff, I think uh, I think we got to talk about Michael Pierce on defensive line. I think he's continuing to have an incredible stretch, um, just super dominant, especially in the uh, the runs defense. I mean, it was just a, a menace for the Cardinals' interior line. You know, I felt like um, I felt like for most of the game, I think uh, the Ravens' defensive line just you know up and down were having a, a way with the Cardinals, but particularly on the interior, I think Pierce there. Were, Many plays where he's beating double teams to tackle the running back in the backfield, and you know, I, I thought you know overall, just I mean, just just having a super super dominant performance. You know, I feel like the only the only negative I can really kind of point to the defensive line is I felt like maybe in the first quarter, I think that they were getting gashed a little bit by some runs by the run back. I think they were some cutback lanes that were a little bit open. And they just didn't have guys behind them to be able to tackle up. But uh, especially in short yarded situations, even early, I think the Ravens were able to clamp down. They had those fourth down stops pretty early that the Cardinals decided to go for it. Um, those were great. Um, but, you know, even then, um, I think the Ravens did adjust. I think it was actually something that Ed talked about with us at the Cardinals preview that, you know, the Cardinals weren't very good at, you know, second half adjustments. I think that's where the Ravens really shined. 
And, you know, once they figured out, okay, the Cardinals are trying to attack us this way, we're going to adjust a little bit. I think really that is when you just saw, um, you know, a lot of dominance, especially in the run game. Yeah, I was really impressed by Pierce in this game. I would say that he was involved with both fourth down stops, pass deflection on fourth and one, and then the stuff play, you know, obviously was there making a, taking a block of space and penetrating. So uh, huge game. The strip sack that wasn't, um, wasn't able to get the ball afterwards. Clowney thought he had, uh, the way that um, Roe put it, he thought he had a country fumble when there's no one around him, but he, he had actually had a city fumble. There were people around. <laughs> Which I didn't know it was like the nomenclature for, for fumbling. <laughs> but uh, huge game for him. Would love to see a way to keep him around long term. And then the other guy you want to keep around, Matt BK, man. He would have had even more stats if it wasn't for that rogue penalty by Hamilton that everyone thinks is sus. And just, I, uh, <laughs> I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the running bit. I'm allow, I'm going to allow him to get a sack every week if he wants just to keep putting his price up, up, up. And, uh, it, it's fine. Cause I, it'll mean more Ravens wins. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, he's still under contract for, for this year, even if, uh, he's playing his way out of town. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I'll have to go back into notes in the past, but he's getting dangerously close if he's not there already for, you know, the, um, the franchise record for, for sacks by an interior lineman. Cause I, I thought if you look at Haloti, his career high was around six or so. And I mean, Matabike is already there, right? Yeah. And we're only halfway through this season. So, um, yeah. It, and none of this is a surprise, right? We've always talked about Matabike and he's, he's shown all this potential and it was just simply, um, just consistency. That's what we were waiting for from him. Kind of not unlike queen, right? Queen, uh, has shown a lot of consistency this year as well. And, you know, you put those two together, um, that's been huge for this defense and we can't say enough things about Michael Pierce. He just had so many impact plays, in this game, you know, we were talking about how the fact that the offense was able to get a big lead and how that was a direct result of what the defense was able to do to hold the Cardinals offense in check. And Pierce was was one of the top guys there. He, he was forming a brick wall there with the other guys up there up front. And sure, Arizona rushed the ball a little better than we were expecting. But if you look at it, it was really just. They were just getting chunk plays, nothing big. Thirteen yard, excuse me, fourteen yards was the longest run of the day. Barely averaged four yards per carry. I mean, it, it was it, they they kept running, but they really weren't having a huge amount of success. It was really just you know making some chunk plays. So great play, great day by the guys up front. Yes, it could have been a little better, but I think a very solid uh, performance from those guys. It's incredible how the 2020 draft class has really come to age this year. Unfortunately, J.K. Dobbins goes down early, but you see Patrick Queen and Matt Abike performing really well. We've obviously seen what Devin Duvernay can do when he gets opportunities. Um, Malik Harrison is a valuable edge guy and, uh, you know, not like a huge sack guy, but he's been really valuable in special teams and setting the edge. Phillips, he was a bust. <laughs> Bredesen, we traded him away for picks. Roderick Washington earned himself an extension. RIP James Prochet. And uh, not actually, but just <laughs> metaphorically. And then Geno Stone. Like, maybe the best of the bunch. Who knows? Like, he's playing out of, out of his mind. So, suddenly the 2020 draft is looking a lot better. Yeah, I will still take all the credit for finding Geno Stone for the Ravens, even though <laughs> I didn't really know anything. I just read his draft profile found a couple things online that it was just like, Hey, this guy might be a good uh, guy for the Ravens to take a, sh a shot on. And that was the extent of my <laughs> knowledge on that. So that's more luck than anything <laughs> I will admit, but yeah. it's still, yeah. Great to see what he's doing, what Stevens is doing. Um, I'm just trying to think what the, what the last year was where we had so many of these mid to late round draft picks, just all kind of coming into their, their own all at the same time. Cause it, it just really feels like, like I just keep saying, the consistency we're getting from Matabike and Stone and Stevens, them alone, and is just is this all the Roquan effect? Because obviously Roquan helped helped Queen as well. It's just all all this uh, what we're getting for the second round pick is not just Roquan, but the the best 
uh, case scenario for all these guys as well? Something about that secret sauce. Yeah, if it's Roe, if it's McDonald. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's all real clicking right now. I think not only are they, they've got like the the coaching that they have to be able to get better. They've got the scheme that puts most of the players, in, you know, in, in good positions. And, uh, you know, they have the accountability, I guess, <laughs> to to make sure that they're in the right mindset week in, week out and, you know, want to keep getting better. Um, you know, what, whatever that secret sauce is. Uh, yeah, they've they've certainly got it this year. I definitely was liking what I saw out of OA in this uh, game as well. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get that monster sack. That had been really cool. But uh, I thought that he, you know, definitely demonstrated some good speed and um, played all right again, you know, kind of monitoring his, his progress off an injury. Yeah, I, the sack was so frustrating because he just, when he just came off that edge there, he, he was just had a huge full head of steam and that play was done, but yeah, just couldn't wrap Dobbs up. I don't know if that's just a result of that's his first game back um, from injury after missing a couple games. I don't know if that's just, uh, you know, adrenaline kind of turned over or, or just an excellent play, effort by Dobbs. I don't know. I don't, it, it seemed like a sure thing when he had him and I was pretty surprised watching it live that Dobbs was able to get out of that and then just equally frustrated for Owe because man, that would have been an excellent play for him. But I mean, it's still, I, I'm pretty sure that, that, I mean, that still broke up that play. And I think that the next yeah. play was, was a failed fourth down conversion by the Cardinals. So, I mean, still a positive play, even though it wasn't as the exact result that you want. And going forward, you do want to make that sack. But yeah, I mean, add, add away to the list of those guys. Um, he hasn't had as many games to show it. Um, but yeah, he's had a lot of positive signs uh, so far this year. I feel like he... Uh... And maybe the old NFL would have gotten the sack there because he he could have just like you know completely pummeled him. But he had such a head of steam. I feel like in a way he like wanted to let up. You know what I mean? Not like completely destroy him. Like just run right through him. Which I will say, another guy, Queen, dude. Did you see when he turned on the Jets right near the goal line and he just absolutely demolished Dobbs? Like that's that's yes. the reason Dobbs lost his job after this game. He he probably isn't feeling all right. He got absolutely blown up in that play. Yeah. I was like, that's old school football right there. The way he hit him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty, pretty incredible play. Yeah. I, I felt like I kind of switching gears for a second. Like Dobbs, I thought for the most part played pretty well. I mean, obviously those two interceptions, you know, if I'm a Cardinals fan, yeah, I'm a little worried about those, but um, I mean, generally like, I think you've looked pretty poised. There were a couple of really good throws. Like we mentioned earlier, that throw to uh, Hollywood in the end zone. Great pass. Um, one other guy I did want to talk about too, that, you know, just, you know, in, in context of kind of looking at the defense moving forward, I thought um, McBride had a really good game, particularly in the second half against us. Um, so it's it's one of those I'd really like to go back and look at the tape a little bit to see, you know, what was it about him to be able to get open? I know he's a second round pick uh, for the Cardinals, you know, a highly drafted guy, pretty skilled. Um, him and Ertz we talked about in the preview episode, good tight end duo. Um but yeah, I guess if, if I'm the Ravens, I would take a look at that and just say like, you know, hey, you know, it might be a little bit of weakness on that side. Um, you know, I don't know if that was just because of the Cardinals, because of how their offense is kind of set up. But um, I'd take a look at that. You know, if, if we were working at the schedule and trying to find the teams with some tight ends that they know that can play pretty well, uh, take another look at that because that might be something that uh, other teams can take advantage of if if they're looking at game planning against the Ravens. That's a good. That's a good point. I um, I'm not sure. I'll have, to, I'll have to take a look as my as well. It might be a byproduct of the fifteen straight calls. The same thing. They maybe they realized. Oh, if we if we go here, it might be a good matchup. But uh, I tell you, he definitely benefited from that weird convoy play where everybody was pushing, <laughs> <laughs> like, and uh, even the you know retired ref on call was like, I don't know about that play. <laughs> a little <laughs> little strange to see it kind of let happen, and that and that's another seven points that the defense gave up there you know so definitely yeah. uh kind of feel for him in that situation because i i wouldn't been surprised they were to stop him in the goal line you know i mean my fantasy teams weren't complaining about about that play i have a, a <laughs> or my dfs lineup ride, so <laughs> <laughs> oh man well in that in that, uh, in that scott fishbowl charity league we're doing where, where tight ends are super boosted he got freaking 43 points so <sighs> that's Sheesh, uh man that certainly helped but um yeah so uh I mean, yeah, I think that the big thing with McBride was just, I don't really think that we 
put that much uh, attention to him, honestly. Um, of the the catches that I'm I'm looking back on right now that McBride had, I mean, most of it was you know finding a a, a soft spot in the zone where I mean it, it wasn't like he was feeling it out like Andrews will usually do. He was just running his route, and and that's where he ended up. Um, and then uh, I mean, when we were physical with with him, with the exception of that that one play in the end zone, um, I mean, it, you know that. The Ravens made it tough for him. Kyle Hamilton uh, broke up a, a deep pass that was intended to him. Um, one of the interceptions, I think it was Stevens' interception, was on a, a pass that was where McBride was the intended uh, receiver. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think it is a good thing that you pointed out there, Chris, though, because we do know in the past, yeah, this Ravens team, we've had difficulty covering the tight end. And I don't know if we can really say that we've, face teams so far this year who have a strong tight end game. And actually, I'm looking back at our schedule, I think with the exception of uh, Laporta, who's a rookie, um, yeah, we've had incre- an incredibly soft um, matchups against the tight end position to start the year. So um, we'll see. Uh, there's a couple games you got coming up here down the stretch. Uh, Evan Ingram for Jacksonville, George Kittle with the 49ers. Um Maybe Noah Fant next week against Seattle. You know, he's he's had a couple games this year where he's made some big catches. So definitely something to keep an eye out for, uh, just given the fact that we just haven't really seen this defense go up against very solid receiving t- uh, options from the tight end position yet this year. Well, I uh, want to move on to the offense, I think. Um, I think I first got to start with Lamar Jackson. Um I think uh, yet again, another really, really fantastic game from him pulling up the stats. Um, 18 for 27, um, you know, only 157 receiving uh, or passing yards rather uh, and a touchdown. Um, So, you know, I think in terms of numbers, you know, not the, the, not, not like the game against Detroit, obviously where passing yards really the big thing, but I think from a, you know, from a passing perspective, just kind of looking at the eye test, I think another really great game from him, uh, getting a lot of people involved, obviously. And, uh, you know, another monster game from from Mr. Mark Andrews as well, who we'll talk more about. But, um, yeah, I mean, not not too much, honestly, that I look at from this game and I'll be like, you know, uh, as far as critical from Lamar, I thought he continued to have a really great game. Yeah, I think Lamar was in costume in this game. He played just like average quarterback play, no cape, you know, left that at home. <laughs> And uh, he just did, like, very normal QB things. He did make a crazy throw to Mark Andrews for that touchdown, uh, kind of, like, off one foot, like, with a kick. But uh, I think he, in general, didn't do that much Lamarvelous stuff, right? Like, he just kind of, like, did his job. And um, I thought that was good. He had that one nice run, though, uh, after the many running back, you know, Gus Edwards, dive plays or whatever you know like just gus 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 and then he kept it and and was able to make a nice run if it only he adjusted his cleats more he might have gotten some more yards uh i i was so frustrated with the cleat thing i think that's the the cardinals home field advantage they figured out the cleats they know how to have their cleats figured out and everyone else that comes there is just slipping around like crazy and like maybe not making good adjustments because uh we saw a lot of ravens players impacted by the the slippage and not so much the uh cardinals yeah I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's just something about the the grass there. I mean, it is a desert there. That must be a, a heck of a heck of a time to, with the field crew having to figure out how to get that to to stay playable. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a perfectly fine game from from Lamar. Um, credit to the Cardinals. I think they had a great uh, game plan on there defensively to throw a lot of things at the Ravens and confuse them and make it extremely difficult for Lamar to be able to do anything on the ground. Um, so you had to do it through the air and for the most part, pretty efficient. The one thing that I, I do think we can put as, uh, something that wasn't terribly great was, um, uh, the first quarter could have, could have been put the Ravens down in the 14 to zero hole. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that was more on Lamar or Odell on that, that one pass, but that was very nearly a pick six. Ravens are really lucky that, that that ball wasn't intercepted on the opening drive for the Ravens. Um, and then Lamar uh, got hit a little bit um, once the football had crossed midfield, threw a ball up to Bateman that, that Bateman had to, to quicken his stride and, and saved what, what would have been an interception probably, uh, and not only saved it, but turned it into a, a big completion. So that was an excellent 
effort play by Bateman. I'm pretty sure everyone has pointed that out, that that was a great play by Bateman there. Um, but after that first drive, I mean, the rest of his passes were were incredibly on target from what I can recall. Maybe there was a, an off-target one here or there, but nothing stood out that you're just like, oh man, Lamar really wanted that throw back. That could have been bad there or really missed a big play there. So, and I think that's a great sign of a, of a quarterback, you know, not every game is going to require a quarterback to put up a hero stat line. uh, Right. But every week you do need to come in and make sure you do all, all the little things really well. And uh, that's what Lamar did this week. And he, he's what he's been doing all year. Uh, we're seeing some great growth, I think, from him from a passing perspective this year. And that was a, just an incredibly veteran performance there. And Lamar, um, I don't think he cares uh, whether he's the hero or not in the game. You know, he's kind of always come off as uh, pretty much a team guy in interviews. But I think that still, you know, takes something for a guy with the ability that he has to say, like, hey, you know what? This week's just not my week. It's not my week to put up the monster stat line it's it's someone else's week it's th- this week it was Gus's week right um didn't see anything from Lamar that suggested that he had a problem with that and again that's kind of the guy who we've always thought that he's been but still I think something worth worth pointing out the the team first nature that he shows yeah for sure I mean yeah like you like you said I think um with Gus playing as well as he did uh this game I mean the Ravens still scored 31 points 34 if Tucker makes that field goal which we'll talk about later but um, 34 points is more than enough to win a game, especially against the Cardinals. So, um, you know, yeah, we love to put up 80, but <laughs> we don't need to put up 80, <laughs> you know, not, not for a game like this. So yeah, I thought it was good. Um, I feel like the only, the only thing, and I feel like we have to talk about it. I feel like a lot of people have been talking about this, so we might as well bring it up now is I feel like the only <laughs> issue right now with the passing game what we have to figure out is Odell Beckham and I think the main thing is a lot of those incompletions 18 for 27 I think seven of them were targets to Odell I don't think he ended up with the pat with the catch he did and it's just one of those I guess we got to go back in the film we probably it's probably something that I'm sure tons of people are going to be analyzing but from what I can recall a lot of those passes to Odell almost all designed they're you know quick like it's predetermined hey it's going to go his way we're going to take a shot within a second basically and just not hitting home some of them are you know like the the pass you talked about earlier Peter of that could have been a pick six not the best decision um, you know maybe not the best throw route something was off about that and a lot of other ones too just you know Odell not getting separation not having the right proper timing just things aren't really working out. And, you know, I think it, it, you know, we've seen some flashes from him, but I think it's one of those that kind of gives you a little bit of pause. Like that's a lot of targets. And, you know, I I think we just kind of got to analyze it a little bit of like, what's, what is it going wrong? Is it Odell? Is it Lamar? Is it the timing between the two? Is it scheme? What is it? Well, I went to the film and I have some thoughts. So, I uh, I will say the first play was just god-awful, like you mentioned. Could have been a pick six. Wasn't good execution. But I think what happened on a lot of the plays um, is kind of understandable and just uh, – I'm not like I'm not terribly worried about it. So I, I want to first be like, okay, Odell got two uh, defensive pass interferences called against him, and he could have easily on a third. He was held, definitely held on a play, and it just wasn't called. So that counts for something, right? I would say that those are positive gains, basically a catch, no yak, whatever. Now, the other things that happened where the fast like scheme to Bateman plays, I think some of them were byproducts of him, him being the hot read, meaning that they brought pressure, they brought numbers. Lamar was seeing, you know, said pressure, and he went to the hot read. But, of course, the defense also knows where hot reads would be, kind of like the Miami thing, and they were able to break up the play, and it was just, like, you know, a tough play. So, obviously, you would like to see Odell get those catches, but, like, they're just tough. You know, you see that happen to a lot of players. So, like, I don't know. My my overall thought was, like, Odell's kind of – excuse me. He's kind of fine. Um, it's not fine if – 
you know, he's not getting penalties. He's not getting anything, but I think there is like underlying production, um, probably like still low for what you want out of the number of targets and is also depending on variants of, of refs and stuff like that. So something I want to see improve, but like, I don't think it's like totally doom and gloom. I think, you know, I guarantee you, I haven't listened to like many fantasy podcasts, but I guarantee you the boss score lovers and munchers in the world are like, Oh, zero catches. He's a non-factor in this offense. And it's just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, I just, I just can't agree with that. That's like piss poor take. You're not actually like watching anything. Uh, <laughs> but there, there's definitely like a lot of nuance here. And I think the hard part is like Lamar's like literally acknowledging the fact they're trying to get him with touchdown in the press conference. Like it's clear that there's, you know, we're halfway through the season. They want him to score. Everyone wants him to score. I think everyone would think that'd be great. You know, it's been an unbelievable amount of time since he scored injury. We all know the story of his comeback here. So like, yeah, it's definitely, I think, something's getting along in the tooth. And, like, I honestly just hope that similar to uh, kind of what we were saying with Bateman, like, we're just, like, trying to crack open the dam so it can start, you know, pouring. Or the Olive Jar reference, like, let's get that olive out for Odell soon. And hopefully it's not, like, too many more manufacturer touches later. <laughs> so, like, it can start rolling. I mean, I, I, I get where your analysis is coming and I don't want to say that I disagree with it, but I personally am starting to just wonder what direction the Ravens should go with Odell as the rest of the season continues. Um, I I think that it, this was a good idea in this game to just scheme up touches for him, try and get some some chemistry there between Lamar and Odell, but. I wonder if the injury that he suffered against Cincinnati, he's still um, recovering from it because I thought he looked really good against Houston. And in the beginning of that Cincinnati game, he was getting some good looks and he was making some good plays with the ball in his hand. Um, Honestly, I think he would have had an an excellent game against Cincinnati if he had stayed in there. All that production you saw from Aguilar, I think that would have all gone to Odell and then he would have had probably a little more as well. But I mean, since that time, I'd, he just hasn't looked quite the same in my opinion. And this is now two games where it just seemed abundantly clear to me that he's just physically not able to keep up with these younger corners. I mean, we saw it against Pittsburgh and I think we saw it here. I, when I'm watching him, I'm just not see, I'm seeing a guy who's physically trying to figure out how to do what he used to be able to do in a game that is younger and quicker than, than he is right now. And, you know, I, I hate to play the comparison game cause I don't think it's fair and it's really hard to, to gauge between, you know, different situations, different teams, different schemes. But I mean, you just look at what happened across the aisle um, this, uh, this week with Deandre Hopkins to Will Levis, man. And look, I'll take the L there. I thought Hopkins was, was done. I did not want the Ravens to go in on Hopkins. I thought that both him and Odell at this point in their careers were basically the same, you know, guys who are valuable to have on a team because they're vets. They know what they're doing. They can coach the guys and you can depend on them to, to make a, a catch and clutch situations, but their best days are behind them. And I mean, Hopkins best days might still be behind him, but he is man. He is proven. He proved this week that if he has a quarterback that can throw him the ball, he can still do things with it. And I just don't think that you're getting that from Odell from what we've seen so far this year. And it's taking snaps away from a guy like Bateman who we need to develop to be a guy who's a real difference maker in this offense. So again, in a game against Seattle, we're not talking about Seattle yet, but we will, I think in a game like this where the outcome is basically known that the Ravens can win this game in a variety of ways. Yeah. I think this was a great time to try and get some, um, try and get Odell some looks, try and get him some work, um, some work with Lamar. But with the performance, what it was, I, to me, that shows that in a game against Seattle, Odell can't be a big part of the game plan. It, it's just, you, you can't tell me, okay, you got zero catches on five targets against the Cardinals. And most of those targets you did not look good on, in my opinion, and say, yeah, we're going to, we're going to um, really lean on this guy going forward. I think you gotta, you gotta give, Bateman a better look on this offense like we've been saying and I think just monitor Odell's health and 
when he's good, then we can go back to him. But I, I, I do think that, um, that he's got, he's got a show at this point that he's, he's healthy enough to carry that load. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree somewhat with that. I feel like my main issue right now is I feel like he's exiting the game quite frequently. Um, you know, I know he did, re- he did end up returning, but it seems like a pretty regular occurrence of like, okay, Odell exited with whatever, whatever. And they've been small, um, at least recently, I guess, but still kind of indicative of, a you know, just can't rely on significant snaps from him at this point in time. Um, you know, obviously, yeah. And, and, you know, hindsight's a little, uh, you know, a little hard to play here, I think. Um, but yeah, like Hopkins is a certainly a player. I think um, probably before Detroit, we would have been like, yeah, we really need because he's a, a big body target who can go up and get the ball. Uh, if you want to throw a fade to him in an end zone, like be my guest. Like, yes, he's going to come down with it 50% of the time. <laughs> Odell's just not that guy. Um, not really that guy. And, uh, you know, him and Bateman are pretty similar um bait i think has been on record saying like he models his game after odell so uh you know they're they're definitely a a similar player i think they can do a lot of damage in the intermediate game it can uh you know stretch the field a little bit when they're healthy but you know right now i i I kind of agree with with his health we're just i feel like we haven't figured out quite where to get him involved i feel like recently we've been trying to get him more involved in the short passing game and then hoping that he can make guys miss but we just haven't connected on those, uh, you know, those those passes. So figuring out like, okay, well, if it's not that, where is it? Is it the intermediate? Is it the deep passing game? Yes, we can get some defensive pass interference. Yes, that does benefit the offense. But yeah, it's it, it's more of a trade-off of like, okay, well, you know, we've got guys behind. Obviously, Aguilar, you know, has been effective this game, not so much. Um, you know, Duvernay's still a guy who's there. Yes, you know, we don't, you know, necessarily need him to be <laughs> a top target, but um, you know, certainly we know that what what he can do uh, given those opportunities. So you know, it would be good to kind of you know get some snaps on him. So I, I kind of agree. At the end of the day, Peter, though, it was just I think his health is the number one thing. It just he doesn't seem like the same guy that we saw week one. Uh, we got to figure it out. Um, but you know, I, I think at the end of the day, Munkin seems like a guy who's like he's flexible with his game plans. One week he's going to force feed somebody. Next week he'll force feed somebody else. You know he'll he'll pass it around um, depending on what the week to week. So this could have been just one of those weeks. Like hey, you know we really want to try to get Odell involved. See what happens next week. You know snaps might be different. So I think two things are going to happen next week. Uh, not to spoil any bold predictions, but I I do <laughs> think Bateman's ready for more more time. So he did win out the snap count today, sixty two to fifty seven percent. Uh, versus Beckham, but I don't think that's fair because Beckham had the stomach contusion that made him miss some of the game. So maybe Beckham was on pace for more snaps. Um, and I think that's the that's the error. That's the thing that needs to be flipped. Get Beckham closer to Aguilar, who was at 42%, and get Bateman those extra snaps because Bateman's ready. This guy is you know, coming off that uh, Liz Frank surgery, and I think he has shown over the last couple of weeks that he's feeling better. He's feeling more confident in his ability and what we were seeing on film, you know, him kind of cooking, it's continued and actually again and getting plays, you know, saved Lamar. I think this is this is it. Like if you get if you get Bateman going this next game, like focus on Bateman a little bit, give him that like special love. I bet you I bet you can get Odell his touchdown too. Because Bateman is that dude. Prove it to the teams that he's that dude. Everyone knows that Flowers is. Everyone knows that Andrews is. Now get Bateman that, dude. You got three. And then I guarantee you Beckham's going to be open because no one can cover four. <laughs> so, like, that's that's yeah. the way to get Beckham cooking is you have to get Bateman, Bateman cooking first. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, because, like you're saying, if, if Bateman steps up his role, then that'll make things easier for Odell. I mean, honestly, that'll make things easier for everyone on the offense, not just Odell. Zay and Andrews, um, even though they're having success, of course, it can get easier. If, if we have a fourth option in this passing game that the defense has to account for. Yeah, so I, I really like how you put that, and I hope that's the, the plan going forward for the Ravens. Well, we can't uh, finish our talk about the offense without uh, discussing the big game that we had from uh, the Gus bus, man. I know there's been a lot of talk throughout the Ravens community. Use Hill more, use Gus more, use him equally. 
trade for Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook, trade for no one and just have Lamar run the ball. Everyone's had an opinion on what to do with this rushing game. And I mean, honestly, I think the problem is, like we're saying, it's just that we know that Hill and Edwards can do some things really well. Um, but I don't know if either of them are complete backs. So kind of what you're going to get from either of them is going to kind of be matchup dependent, I think. But this was a game script and a, a defense that played right into what we know Gus can do really well, which is just punish the defense um, late in the game when they've been on the field for a while. And he delivered one of the best games of his career, three touchdowns, um, just continually churning yards, even when the defense knew that we were going to run the ball. Uh, excellent game from Gus. Great to see him ha- have that too. I mean, he had a, he had a decent game last week too. The of course there was the big catch that was kind of fluky because of what the defense did, but that was a good read on his part. And sixty four yards against the Lions defense that's nothing to sneeze at. That's a very good rushing defense, one of the best in the league. So um, great to see t- Gus put together two um, very good outings back to back for a position group that we've had a lot of questions for this year since Dobbins went down. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I think the, the the biggest question, I think, moving forward with running back as to the you know the trade situation, um, is really just do we have any do we have the people on the roster to be able to spell Gus um, because he's still very clearly effective, but you know I I feel like looking at maybe some film from this game versus maybe Gus from a couple of years ago, I do think that there's a little bit of signs of just maybe not overuse, but you can you can see him slowing down in certain places of the game. And that's okay. Like he's still effective. I think you spell him with Hill a good bit. I think if uh, you know Mitchell comes back healthy, you have another option, another speed option as well. Uh, I think that can help a lot. But yeah, for this matchup, I think Gus did great. Obviously, three touchdowns. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's that's a very significant from his production. So uh, we love to see it. I think um, you know if we have to ride Edwards and Hill for the rest of the season with a little bit of Mitchell. We're gonna be fine. Would we like to see J.K.? Absolutely. It would have really helped to have all three of them there. But, um, you know, I think it's more than enough that we're going to need. I think, obviously, th- this year, especially more than years past, the Ravens are not going to have to run through their run game. They're going to have to pass first. And so, you know, anything extra that Gus and Hill can give us to be able to balance the offense is great, but we don't have to lean on them exclusively anymore. I think that's really well said. We'll see if any trains get made in the next 24 hours. Um, and we'll comment on about them in some way, I imagine, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if anything happens. But before we talk about our MVPs, we got to talk about special teams because special teams are an important phase of the game, and we actually have a lot of interesting things to talk about when it comes to special teams. So interesting that I think it almost is more interesting than the offense, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> like, <laughs> offense, ho-hum, they scored points, they won. <laughs> but the special team, man, <laughs> how do they do it? I think uh, the first one I want to talk about is Stout. I think he had a huge game. Uh, he like knows exactly where the 10 yard line is and he will punt it within one or yard either way <laughs> and like perfectly get you uh, inside the 10 or at inside the 11. You know, I feel like, you know, the inside the 10 is like this like generic cutoff point that we like to use for stats inside the 11. I think it would have been perfect this game. <laughs> no, definitely. Um, and I mean, I, I know there was some again, we like we're talking about with Stevens, like we're talking about with Stone. With Matabike, uh, Stout, he had some moments last year where he was really critical in field positional games. And then some other games where, you know, he shanked a punk or punt or two, had maybe too many touchbacks. And, you know, we just wanted to see consistency from him this year. And overall, he's he's been really, really good. You know, you're talking about all these notes we have for special teams. And I, I think it's just everything we're talking about has kind of been a story all year. But just for one reason or another... I think this game kind of showed that the culmination of these things continuing to happen um, warrants discussion. And I mean, Stout, look, he's got Sam Cook there. You couldn't ask for a better uh, teacher there. And he's, I think that he's Stout is just being a sponge and learning from that guy because you're just seeing uh, much more improved improvement in the consistency department from him this year. Uh, he looks confident out there. He looks like he's having fun. I think that, you know, we used a draft pick on him short. I know some people are still upset about that, but I think what you got here is a guy who's going to be here for a while and has a, a really steady skill set that is is going to be critical to this team going forward. And, you know, you're talking about the defense. We're, we keep talking about how this defense is off to an excellent pace. Punter's part of that. He's been helping them all year. Uh, 
a deal with offenses having the starting with the ball deep in their territory. So, man, Jordan Stout's been having a great year, and I think this game was as good an example as as almost any um, this year to to highlight that. Yeah, in many ways, the punter is the first play of the defense. You know, we're mm-hmm. like, how far are we going to set you back before we go out there? You know, because we're not going to do a turnover on downs. So. Yeah, I think that's a nice like kind of perspective shift towards that play and be like, yeah, this actually really matters <laughs> for defensive success rate. So to move on from Stout, um, we're actually going to look at something that might not be a, a deal at all, you know, but at least something that I thought is worth looking at as far as a consideration. Um, and that is just looking at, at Justin Tucker's uh, numbers from 50 plus yards the past two seasons. Uh, you know, he, Almost had that 53-yarder in the game on Sunday. Just hit the inner part of the crossbar, and it bounced out, which actually puts Tucker's um, one for four so far this year of kicks of 50-plus, which is very un-Tucker-like. I mean, if we look back at his um, – just looking at his stats, not really digging into them and looking at you know where were the kicks, what was the game situation, because I think you know when you look at kicks, you can't just look at the percentages. That doesn't tell you absolutely everything, although we are talking about the most accurate kicker in NFL history, but still. <laughs> um, generally, of course, he's Tucker. He's been excellent from 50-plus yards, um, but he's missed eight kicks from 50-plus over the past two seasons, which is the worst mark of his career um, until you go back to, I think, 2014 to to 15. This was I, I w- researched this well, but I think I could have organized my notes a little better. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, so after, after, you know, he had a a good bit of misses, um, for Tucker, uh, between 2014 and 15, um, you, between 2016 and 21, I mean, the guy was, was nearly perfect, uh, missed very few, including a couple seasons where he didn't miss any, um, from that distance, but you know, the past two years, there's there's been some misses, but at the same time, you look at the number of kicks he's taken. Um, I mean, already this year, uh, starting from the beginning of 2022 to the midpoint of 2023, I mean, the man's kicked uh, 18 kicks from 50 plus yards, which is already too short from the most he's ever kicked in two consecutive seasons, which is, is 20. So, I mean, the fact that he's had eight misses, you also got to look at the fact that he's kicking more. So. You know, I haven't heard anyone talk about this, and probably for good reason, because it's probably not anything to to look at and say, like, this is a problem. But you look at the misses he had in 2022. Okay, he had eight misses. Three of those were blocks. You know, so then he had, excuse me, I said that he had uh, eight misses in 2022. Five misses in 2022, three of which were blocked. Uh, he missed a 67-yarder to potentially win the game in Jacksonville. And then he hit the upright for fifty and miss a fifty six yard against the Giants. And then this year, okay, he had the missed a fifty nine yarder against Cincinnati. That one was long enough, but it was wide right. Um, missed a potential game winner against the Colts, sixty one yards, bad weather. Hit the upright at Arizona from fifty three yards. So, you know, I started this because I looked at those numbers at first, and I was just like, well, that looks like something of a concern. Tucker's usually automatic from, you know, that distance. Distance doesn't really matter for him. But, I mean, you look at these numbers, and it looks to me more like some bad luck rather than indicative of a bigger problem. But I wanted to pose it to you guys and see if you had any thoughts, if you'd noticed that, um, and if, if there's anything to glean from that going forward. I mean, from this game's perspective, um I don't know. I mean, I wasn't super worried when it happened. Yeah, I mean, I know he's missed a couple um, of of big ones, but they've felt like they're in early in the game, so they're really not in a moment where it's like, okay, you have to make it. And usually, um, you know, I don't have data to back this up, but just anecdotally, um, usually, in, if he misses it early, it's, it's end up actually being good practice, and then for kicking down the middle at a field goal that actually matters a little bit later in the game. Um, and that kind of, you know, it kind of lined up with the Arizona game, right? He missed it in what the first, second quarter and he ended up making a kick later. Um, obviously it wasn't as long. I think it was a 48 yard or something, but you know, he did end up making that one and that one looked pretty good. So 
you know, from that perspective, I'm not super worried. Obviously, I think there was only one that I can remember that he missed that was like a gimme. I mean, that was the extra point against the Saints where, you know, what the heck happened with that one? That was just, you know, a wild kick. But, I mean, he's Cheston Tucker. I mean, he'll end up making more game-winning field goals uh, than he ends up, you know, losing any of those. So, I'm not super worried. I I think I do think it's interesting. Yeah, you had a couple of blocks in there. Obviously, blocks, there's a lot of stuff that could go wrong. Could be blocking. Could be the trajectory of the ball going off the kicker. You know, it depends. Um, still could be on him, but but still, I I think that's interesting. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, he also have to think about it too. I mean, he's given more attempts than pretty much any other kicker in the league too. So yeah, I mean, he's 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 got the trust of you know, the coaches obviously and everybody on the team trusts him. I mean, he's Justin Ducker. He, he has a legacy at this point. So um, you know, there you you have to consider that of just like if, if everybody trusts him to go out there, then more often than not, he's probably gonna make it. But if he misses, like that's okay. I mean he's got the technique down. He's he's gonna come back and 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 get it. I would only be concerned if if you know we start to see him missing consistently game winners then i'd be concerned but the second quarter ones that he misses like i'm i don't, I don't care i'm concerned and it's not because of the stats that we're presenting Hot here and I, and I think peter you are doing a great job putting it all together but i think similar to music it's the notes that are not getting played that are almost more important and the reason i'm concerned is that they aren't actually putting them out there as much as they used to there have been many kicks this year that he could have taken from 50 plus yards that they decide to punt instead and you could say it's game flow and it made sense, like we were ahead or whatever. But I think there is underlying concern that he's not quite as good as he once was in that field range. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because that's still tough for many kickers in the league. I'm not saying he's not still a top kicker in the league. And I like his clutch gene and all that. I'm not worried about that. But I don't know if he is like an undeniable X factor anymore from the longer field goals. And I want to be proven wrong about this, but I do think based off of what I'm seeing about when they don't put him out there and what we're seeing with some of this, because I think even though, you know, blocks, I think are a, a, a strength problem, I think, because like he would kick it a little bit higher and that, so like that's, that's a hitter, like a problem. And then like hitting the upright, I think is also maybe a problem because like putting more power, you lose accuracy. So I just, I feel like he's using the top end of his range a little bit more. And it could be one of those things where 55 yarders, 57 yarders used to be at like 80% capacity for him. And now it's 90, but that 10% cost a lot similar to like stocks, right? Like adding a little bit of extra risk, <laughs> you know, like to get a little bit more gain is actually a lot more risk. Um, like when you make build a portfolio. So I'm kind of thinking that's where he's at now. And I, like I said, hope you're wrong, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. Love you, Tucker. <laughs> don't kick my ass. Don't kick my ass. The decline has to happen at some point. Right. But yeah, but yeah, I think, I think we're all in agreement too. Of like, it's not like, it's not a, it's we're not in the market for a new kicker. That's absolutely not. No, that no, no, that's not, absolutely yeah. not. No, 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 no. Yeah. But it's and I think the, really it's what you're like the 55 plus we're like, yeah. eh, OK, maybe, maybe not. Right. Maybe not. Give yeah. Me, but which I think makes sense, because, I mean, it's just like we, you talk about this with any player. Right. Yeah. I mean, as they get older and well, this I'm sure when Lamar is, you know, in his gets to I mean, gosh, Tucker's 33. It's it's hard to, to sometimes remember that, you know, he's not the youngest player ever anymore. But um mm. When you're the body ages, yeah, stuff that you used to be able to do really well, obviously, gets gets harder. I mean, when Lamar gets older, in his early and mid-30s, there'll be questions about his rushing ability, I'm sure. I, I would be very surprised if he's able to rush the ball as well. I mean, arguably, he's not rushing the ball as well as when he came into the league, right? I mean, that's just kind of with the way he's you know put on muscle and um just, I mean, gosh, what's your peak physical fitness is like when you're in your early 20s anyway, like 21, 22 or something like that. But um, yeah, and I agree. None of this is to suggest that Tucker is is washed. It's simply to just the reality of even for the best NFL players, um, age comes. And with that, you you always need to be have a, a mindset of how does this change how you deploy this player? Um, and with, with Tucker, we're, we've, we've always viewed him as just like, oh, anywhere on the field, he can kick it. And, um, I'm not convinced yet that he truly, you know, 
he's at that point yet, but I think it is something that I'm at least keeping an eye on. And I mean, something for encouragement though, definitely. And you mean the accuracy, the, the man still has it. I mean, he only missed one field goal last year uh, from less than 50 yards. And that was a, in the range of 40 to 49 hasn't missed a, a field goal um, below 50 yards this year. Um, okay. He, he's missed an extra point. I can't remember which one that was. Sometimes weird things can happen on extra points um, for a variety of reasons. So yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's just something that I think is just a little more jarring than usual when we talk about a player, because um, we're just so used to Tucker being able to do everything right. And I mean, arguably, as a kicker, all he's got to do is kick the ball through the uprights. So, you know, it's a little less nuanced of a talk than say like, you know, an aging uh, Derek Mason or someone, right? Um, not to uh, pick out Derek Mason, but I mean, you know, it's wide receiver Odell, right? Like we're talking about with Odell. Physically, he can't do <laughs> yeah. what he used to be we, able to do. <laughs> we just we just had this conversation. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tucker... Is still going to be an effective player for it. Gosh, the guy could play. Vinatieri retired when he was like 45, what, and was still kicking decently well. Tucker might still have 12 years left on the Ravens, man. He's he's going to be here a while. I think moving on to the, the hands team portion, we uh, we got to see an in-game adjustment because you know normally you only see their onside kick maybe once in a game, but we actually saw it twice. And they did the exact same thing the first time. It took this like weird short hop. Aguilar wasn't aggressive enough. They are able to recover it on the, you know, bounce and go and kick a field goal and get that back backdoor cover. Vegas was happy. But then, you know, he's a little bit more aggressive, caught it, game over, right? So hopefully uh, this is something that they can, you know, learn from in this like low leverage situation and not have it happen again later when it maybe will count more. Yeah, I mean, in some ways you almost want this to happen, right? I mean, to see that there there's a um, something that needs to be worked on for in-game situations for onside kick in a situation where, honestly, I mean, I, I don't think it mattered that that failed, even though the Cardinals were able to go down and score a touchdown. Well, you know, they still needed to convert that yet again. And then um, that offense, you know, I think even if they had recovered it, the Ravens still would have been able to hold on and, and win. I think the defense would have put their put their ears back and been able to to close the door but yeah I mean I think it's something that the coaching staff I think is definitely going to be bringing up in team meetings they're going to be analyzing it uh particularly Harbaugh I mean being a special teams guy himself so um yeah hopefully this is the only time we see that uh get um executed in that fashion and then if this happens in a in a high leverage situation on a game that actually does matter in a situation where the Ravens would not be in a good position if that was failed. Um, they, they're prepared for it. Yeah. All I have to say about it, that's what's called trial by fire. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's, there's no better teacher in a situation like that where it's like, you know, oh yeah, how often is it going to happen? Yeah, right now. So <laughs> fix, fix it, fix it or we lose. So, you know. But other than that, I think, uh, I think we're probably ready. This episode is running a little bit long, so we should probably go ahead and give out our MVPs. I'll go ahead and start. I think this is an easy one. Gus Edwards. Uh, love love watching Gus, man. Uh, he's my running back. I don't care how many people out here want Derrick Henry. Uh, <laughs> Gus is Derrick Henry light. He's always has been. Uh, okay. <laughs> Pre, like, you know, we'll see if it actually happens tomorrow. But, like, what would you trade for Derrick Henry? One-year <laughs> rental. Mercenary. I mean, I'd only do a second just because we seem not to draft anybody with a second, but I don't really want to do a second. (laughs) Okay, Peter. (laughs) It's a second only because we can't draft with a second. (laughs) Yeah, second second round picks are toilet paper. You don't need them. (laughs) Okay. You guys disgust me. Here's the argument. I I mean, it's... No, no, no. (laughs) Value-wise, like, no. I I mean, I wouldn't do that much, but we we have... There's, like, all the cap considerations, too. Just, like, he's got a big contract and we don't have any cap room, so, like... We've got to eat some of it. Cap so is crap. I, I don't know. Cap is crap. For what they it's just worth. Pay, for what it's worth. Some, one billionaire needs to pay money inside the other billionaire. That's all we're actually asking for here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Look, so my my argument for Henry, because I know from chat you guys were were not at the position that I I'm at, was I mean it doesn't matter now because he's not on the block. The Trenton's aren't going to trade him. It was not to push Gus to the bench. Bench. It was simple, like you guys were saying earlier, just another insurance there for you know who else is going to get carries. Like I'm mm-hmm. pro bringing in another playmaker to this offense, Derrick Henry. I don't care if you're having two power backs, you got speed and Hill, you got, you got Lamar. Like it's, I don't think it's redundant. I think both of them could have thrived in this offense and it just would have been uh, real, a nightmare for uh, opposing defenses to have to worry about Derek Henry bashing you. And then, all right, he's out of the game. We've got a break. Oh wait, now he got the Gus bus. I thought, I think that would have been a, a sick power combo there, but um, moot point. He's staying with the Titans. So how do, how do we know this though? Like there's still time. Is this just like a report? Shefty saying he's off the block. That's what she, I forget if it was Shefty or someone said on Sunday that the Titans had uh, before kickoff of the game against Atlanta. The Titans had notified Henry that he wasn't getting moved. Oh, okay, which of course is a rumor. So I mean, like you know, it's take you take it for what it, it, it's it is. But that was the most recent I saw was that the Titans um, had received offers but didn't get back. weren't being offered the compensation that they wanted, so they put a close to the deals. All right. Well, I'm willing to give up like 30 JJ points, aka like a fifth round pick, maybe a pick swap. That's it. Like I, a second, like no way for a rental for that old yeah, yeah, back. Yeah. Like I'm out. Like I, I'd rather just see Melvin Gordon get carries if they really need somebody else to get carries. Oh snap! I mean, like honestly, like I, I just I can't I can't give up that kind of draft capital. Not with like what's in, yeah, yeah. not with a draft ahead. Not with what's going on. Uh, you know with this team and, and with how many people we might lose to free agency. Now we got where you got it. We, we fill the roster. So, yeah, I Anyways, don't think he, I don't think he dramatically changes the offense one way or the other. I'll pick an MVP real quick. Uh, just to like let leave Peter another, you know, 51 players to choose from. And, uh, <laughs> I'm going to just go with, uh, with Stevens. I've, I've been so happy to see his improvement throughout the year. Got a pick could have had two. darn Eugene stone and, uh, just playing great ball. Number one corner on this team, Michael Pierce, man. Michael Pierce making big plays on the defense in the first half, uh, on fourth down, uh, keeping the Ravens in the game uh, and hanging around till the offense is able to catch fire and do their thing. Uh, he gets mine for this week. Great pick. That's definitely. I was hoping you pick him because <laughs> I was like, be a real shame. <laughs> he wasn't an MVP. <laughs> but uh, yeah, excellent uh, show, guys. I'm looking forward to the Seahawks matchup. First game this year with the three of us all together. Going to be awesome. Can't wait to do it. And, uh, you know, if you want to, you're going to the game too, you want to say hi, you know where to find us at onewinningpod at gmail.com, onewinningpod on Twitter, Sky, uh, Blue Sky, no, Threads, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and YouTube. Go check out the YouTube channel. Go see Darth Vader who made an appearance on the show. Go see uh, what we've been cooking with other guests and stuff. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Go Ravens. <laughs>